Wow. Sign up to my funky frequent flyers club. Sign up to my funky frequent flyers club. Wow. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Frequent Flyers Club. This is our monthly interlude episode where we talk about other people's stories. And today, we're really happy to be joined by Stefan Longcore from Longcom Consulting for Education. Hi, Stefan. Thank you guys for having me. I've been getting messages while you've been sponsoring the podcast about who Longcom actually are. I keep saying you're the best hidden secret because actually you've been working with agents for a while now. Yeah, I would say a small team doing great stuff. Basically, what we do is work with clients from multiple industries and education is very big for us. I have some personal involvement being an international student coming to the UK. But simply explained, we're an IT company that builds CRM systems. So we are the communicators of data. Data can be quite messy. People don't know how to interpret it correctly for their businesses. So that's where we come in place. Andy kind of fell asleep as soon as you said the word data. (laughs) This must be a common reaction. It's not the sexiest of businesses. For us, it's exciting. You know, the more complex the situation, the messier the data is, the more fun it is for myself and the team behind it, because we're the ones cleaning it up. We are the ones making sense out of it, clustering it, crunching it making it useful for you know universities agents that's where we have a lot of experience i would say that the data that most companies have is pretty patchy a student application has got a huge amount of rich data in it that you can use in various ways especially in large operations data helps you decipher where to focus your activities where to focus your budgets your financials data gives you that harsh truth And it's crucial, so important in decision-making. I've just thought of a strap line for your company, Stefan. I'm listening. It could be long-com consulting for education, making data sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. If I can do that, I think I would be the only data person in the world who can make data. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I know you have had a few approaches around people looking at either Salesforce or HubSpot, but having trouble getting the best out of some of these things or wanting to move to some of this software. I think that the biggest problem across all industries, not just in education, is that you hear about these great platforms and then you just go and buy them. And it's like this amazing asset to the business and nobody's using it properly or in the right way. In the large businesses, they have multiple softwares, they have multiple platforms, they don't talk to each other. So you have all of these amazing things, but you still do things manually. What we try to do is connect all of these pieces together of each of the businesses, having the beautiful reports and dashboards, very simple. Yeah. And, and now even when I'm saying it, it, it is boring what I'm saying, isn't it? I think, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to fall asleep, but it, hey. you make, you make data sexy. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I'm making it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You mentioned that you were an international student. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Originally, I'm from Croatia, small country in Europe, only 4 million people. Beautiful country. Everybody knows it for tourism, of course. When I was 18, the opportunity was there to go to the UK. Until now, every time somebody asked me, what's the best decision you ever made? And that was to move to the UK because not only the education was so good, but it also right now unlocked so many opportunities of running your own business. I actually knew you when you were a student. So to now have you sponsoring the podcast with a successful business 
it makes me feel quite proud, but also quite old. <laughs> yeah, like a proud dad, huh? Yeah. <laughs> wow! This is a travel podcast, and uh, we like a good story. Have you got any good travel stories? So I can take you to my first trip to Mexico back in 21. My cousin, who is a flight attendant with one of the big airlines, she suggested, let's go Mexico. She was flying from Qatar. And I arrived and she messages me because she went through Miami. It was like, I'm five hours late. Oof. Okay. Mexico, first time. We all watched Narcos on Netflix and this and that. And I'm a little bit scared, you know, but I'm not showing it. So she drops a message saying, you'll have to wait for us. Go sort out the car. Go sort out everything. So got the car and I was tired. Jet lag. It was already one in the morning. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just sleep here in this remote parking lot while they land. And I fall asleep. Half an hour later, I can hear this noise. And it's like, whoa, what's going on? So I see 40 people. It is only my car in the parking lot. 40 people coming towards my car. I thought, oh, what is going to happen here? <laughs> and they started running towards me. I was like, think, think quickly. On the throttle and just escaped. I was, this was the fastest that I drove ever. And then I just saw they were just running for the bus. Okay. <laughs> okay. Everything's all right. But the story continues. We flew to Cancun, but we were staying in Tulum, which is an hour and a half away. So we go to Tulum and it was Festival de la Muertos. We have all the paint all over. So all day, pretty much partying, going to this festival. It was awesome. So we come back to the car after the festival. And in the window, we saw letter R written with like nail polish and another friend that was speaking spanish she says robar which means rob steal so we thought that somebody came to the car basically wrote that r and said to some other steal this car whoa scared again (laughs) and we managed to calm down we slept somewhere again in a car park so i wasn't even sleeping in the accommodation for the first two nights i was sleeping in the car in the car park but Bear in mind, we had all the face paint, everything for the festival. All of a sudden, police. (laughs) They turn on the lights. I come out. He just looks at me, full of black paint all over my face. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm used to police officers asking, get me some money and then I'll let you go. But this one was so open and say, how much do you have? Literally, how much do you have? So in 24 hours, I thought that I was going to be attacked. Then I thought that somebody wants to rob our car, which in the end, somebody in the rent the car wrote that R just to mark the car. We found that out later. And then also the police officer stopped me and openly asked for a bribe in 24 hours. Really? You just needed a good night's sleep. You got so paranoid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How much narcos were you watching on that flight? I watched the whole bloody season of it. So that was mistake number one. Would you recommend Mexico to our listeners? 100%. After those 24 hours and then two days recovering from all the stress, I mean, it's one of the best destinations I've ever been. Don't watch Narcos on a flight. Wow. Nick, have we had anything into the sick bag this month? We've had a message from Chris Tagg, who has recently moved back to the UK And he's suggesting that we do a special couples episode where we get people who have got together from the industry, like a Mr. and Mrs. kind of show, I think. 
this is all these people that pretended on trips that they weren't together and then magically somehow got engaged and publicly became a couple. It's a new dynamic, isn't it? Having two people together as guests at the same time. How much of their recruitment strategy was swayed by where their partner was going? Their hotel choices, their flights. Mm. I'm excited about that. It's a great idea. I got a message from Brendan McGurty. He sent me a voice message and uh, he was in an immigration queue and he's annoyed that he doesn't have any status with the airline that he's flying with. And he said, you should make a jingle about that, about having no status and feeling like absolute scum. So I'm going to work on that and maybe do a little blues number, I think. A blues version of not being in the priority queue. Ain't got no gold card. (laughs) I've had quite a few messages around people making friends through the podcast. So Jane Gillam, who had reached out to Marco Remes, because she lives in the Liverpool area, and that's obviously where he went to the Eurovision, but going out to Australia for the conference, she wanted to meet up with him and make friends with Marco. He was a very popular guest, I think. That's awesome. Also connecting Selma Tui, episode two, who is Icelandic, as we heard, with Jak van Klein, who has an Icelandic mother. Changing people's lives, building networks, connecting people. This is not what we expected. Wow. Stefan, have you ever been to Australia or New Zealand? No, not yet. So this batch of episodes have all been about guests from New Zealand or Australia because the Pi Live is having the conference there. Stefan, you are a huge Novak Djokovic fan. So you have some issues with immigration in Australia, don't you? Yeah, big Novak Djokovic fan. Wasn't very happy with everything that happened for that Australian Open. But was it this year? Uh, The sense of reward when Djokovic lifted the trophy after they didn't allow him in was one of the most satisfying things. I'm now starting to worry that I'm not going to get through customs and passport control with my visa. Don't take any fruit or animals with you. That's my advice. Or a tennis racket. That can maybe get you banned also. (laughs) And another theme has been deadly animals. Is there anything that can kill you in Croatia? (laughs) (laughs) My father tells me that in this nice villa that he rented for the whole family... They saw the deadliest spider in Europe, and the spider is the size of a hand. It's so big, so you can still find those in Croatia. But I think nights out are deadly in Croatia. That's more than animals. We have a Czechs at least ten to fifteen a year die in Croatia. So Czechs as tourists, they do mental stuff. So how do you say in English that inflatable thing that you kind of lie on, then you swim in the sea? So basically, a lot of Czechs every single summer, it's the same thing always. They inflate this, whatever the thing is, and they decide, hmm, should I swim to Italy from Croatia? And then they just go and do it. So of course, somewhere in the middle of the sea, you know, the wave hits them or whatever. They realize that Italy by swimming, it's maybe 24 hours swimming then our special teams have to go and save them in the middle of the sea. So. They, should have, they should have checked the diff... The diff <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, ignore, ig- ignore me. What you're talking about is a lilo. Yeah. Why of all people are Czechs doing this? You Surely you just mean tourists. No, 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 Czechs. There was a campaign, a marketing campaign by the Czech government 
that literally said, be careful in Croatia. And they had posters all over Czech Republic or Czechia now. This is a true story. If there are any Czechs listening, please get in touch. We, we want to speak to you. Yeah, we need a balanced view on this, I think. Wow. Stefan, thanks so much for coming on. It's been great having you. Thanks ever so much for supporting the podcast and sponsoring us. And uh, we'll see you around. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to the future episodes. Thanks, Stefan. Stefan, making data sexy. <laughs> wow! Sign up to my Funky Frequent Flyers Club. Sign up to my Funky Frequent Flyers Club.